1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the Gold Coast Suns fan show by fans for fans. I'm your host Shane, thank you for joining me on a late Tuesday night. We've had a bit of a medical emergency in my household, but things are all on track now. And joining me for this episode, as he does every week, Tom, the Twitter warrior, the troll hunter. Now if he's not out defending the Gold Coast Football Club on Twitter... What are you doing, Tom? <laughs>
0: uh, well, I, I've decided that given that uh, we're a bit of an easy target with uh, opposition trolls suggesting that we've only got six followers on our Twitter account, uh, we, we, we've uh, we've raised that to eight followers tonight. So um, we've got a bit of a poll running on our Facebook page of who who does who does Twitter and who doesn't do Twitter. Because um, that's interesting to know who uh, how people like to get their news, um, and uh, and yeah, we've got a few people who, who have said they're on Twitter, so we're looking forward to them following us and sharing sharing their stuff. Uh, but you know, um, it, it, it seems like the uh, different people like different things, like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and some people don't like any of it at all, so they rely on YouTube to listen to our our, our podcast after it, after it's finished. So. Um, yeah, very interesting. And, uh, and to answer your question, I've had a, a very nice week, although um, unfortunately the visit to uh, Metricon Stadium wasn't that pleasant.
1: No, it wasn't a great game. Uh, before we jump into that, I want to thank our Patreon donors, uh, Old Soul, Jack Dad, Paul Vosti, Tom Kim, Chris Moore, James Wood, new recruit Tony. Thank you for signing up to... Join the uh, GC Sunscast crew. Uh, We can't run this show without your help. And we do have some special stuff coming along in the pipeline. I think this is episode 44. So, what, six more episodes till episode 50. And we're in the middle of planning something pretty special for our guys. And um, hopefully we'll have some news on that next week or the following week. Um, Okay, let's switch up the format for the show and let's just jump straight into the AFL review because let's be honest it was a terrible game of football to watch and Suns fans probably don't want to relive it again. Also it probably gives us a, a way to get rid of all the negativity at the front of the show so if you're not keen on negativity probably skip forward for the next five minutes but um, look Tom it was a pretty disgraceful display of football in that first half and mm. really there wasn't too much to like and uh i think most suns fans were thinking about leaving at about 10 minutes into the first quarter
0: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not a lever i don't i don't i don't do it but i know that people who do like you uh when did you leave halftime
1: no, I stuck around to three quarter time. I figured at half time the worst was done. They can't do any yeah. worse. We're only <laughs> going to see the bet- a better side of them, and I was right. But, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, and it was and it was pleasing to see the the patches that they were able to achieve. I haven't seen a, a first half as bad as this one uh, since uh, two and a half years ago when the, the Suns played the round one against the Lions, and the Lions just came out and kicked goal after goal after goal. And you found out later that Pierce Hanley had just found out that his that his brother had died, and and then um, <clears throat> and that that was the reason why the players were so were so flat. And then the Lions, who obviously Hanley had only just come across from them, those players found out at half time because they spoke to Piers. And then the Lions were flat after half time. The Suns came back and almost won the game. So I. You know, I don't know what, what kind of thing could have happened for them to go out like that, just flat. It, it, it may have been just the, the, the two or three goals coming really, really quickly and then they just dropped their bundle and let, let all those goals in. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. But, yeah, either something's happened in the before the game or just that, that, that Richmond tsunami has just wiped out their confidence and they've, they've just gone, no, nah, this is going to be a long day.
1: So, are you willing to go with this conspiracy theory on air that you were talking no, to me about? No, no, no,
0: because it could be it could be two plus two equals one hundred and fifty eight. Um, but yeah, just oh, three facts that could be connected or, or not, and and the and the answer is the performance. So the mystery is, uh, you know, is there is there something internal that they're not telling us about? Um, I th- we we know there are things that are happening internally that we that we're privy to but we we can't talk about because of you know of, of the sensitivity of where we're getting the information from so yeah I mean that that's hard enough to keep secrets um, whether it comes out or not we don't know, you know yeah. the club didn't the club didn't talk about about Calamar cheese experience they they just let him deal with that with his, with his friends and, and and a bit of bit of social media support you know Things like that happen at a club, and and and, and it really uh, it's demotivating, and, and the morale goes down. When you'd like to think the culture at our club this year is is, is quite upbeat, I and mean, everything you hear is that. And and I saw on Sunday night the players, they they're, they're great guys, you know, they they were devastated.
1: Yeah, I suppose it uh it's good in a way for the players to maybe if there is something. Personal going on behind the scenes the, to keep it away from the media. That probably relieves a bit of pressure for them. But a double-edged sword, at the same time, it sort of breeds uh, speculation and the trust issues with the supporter base. And mm-hmm. that's something that I think a lot of Suns fans have struggled with uh, in the last few weeks or so because... You just can't seem to get anything from the from the Suns.
0: Mm. Yeah, it, it it is. I mean, you know, they they've done so well this year with their their media. It really, last year you could see signs of it, and then this year they've, they've really they've really done a great job in, in producing. You know. Informative stuff. It sort of it sort of challenged us to find other things to to you know like I I've, I sort of started the year thinking I, I could be you know be able to write about the AFL team but the you know the the Suns are doing a lot of that and doing it really well and and um, Tom Boswell from the Gold Coast Bulletin has been writing some really good stuff with positive stuff. and... Cal did his did his thing, which we'll, we'll talk a bit more about. Um, you know, and and so there's now three podcasts about the Gold Coast Suns. So you know, it, there there are there are, there is a thirst for people to to get news about this club, and the and the you know people are still buying memberships. The support hasn't gone away. There were sixteen thousand people there. I know. I know a lot of them are Tiger supporters, but how many of them were actually locals who will go to a Suns game if the Suns are playing a good brand of footy, you know? Uh, but, yeah, find, find, I find the club a very closed-mouthed about things that, oh, you just, you just wish they'd throw us a sausage, you know, because it's been, it's been a bad week and uh, and all that's come out of the club is that Tony Cochran, who may or may not be our new patreon <laughs> um tony cochran's come
1: out and said give us pick one yeah we'll get into that later uh let's just finish off this um uh sorry this analysis i'm having a chat with robbo here in the chat who's just saying uh, good luck getting any correspondence from the <laughs> club uh instead of typing it out i'll just say yeah i completely agree um yeah yeah i don't want to go down that Again, I've sort of given up on contacting the club. Um, All right, so let's start off with scores. The final score was 9 goals 4, 58 to 23 goals 12, 150. Uh, Big margin there, 92 points. Uh, Slightly improved on the halftime score, which was 3 goals 1 to 16 goals 7. So in the second half, the Suns still lost to Richmond with a 6 goal 3 second half. And Richmond's seven goal five second half, um, so still not great, but it was it was a drastic improvement from the uh, thirteen goals that we uh, conceded extra in that uh, first half. McPherson was uh, our only multiple goal scorer with the two goals. Wright was a late out with Brody coming in to replace him. Now, up until half time, I had pretty much given up on selecting a, a top three. I was thinking, is this the week we just say stuff it and throw <laughs> it all out? But then I thought, no, it's going to ruin the integrity of our of our tips and our our selections, our our running running board. Uh, so I took to the uh, special interest in that second half, paying attention to the players that are doing the hard work, the in and under, one of the biggest complaints about that first half of the ball was there was no aggression, there was no run, there was no will to get into the contest. They they actually looked like witches hats. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. So, and, I mean, any players who were, you know, were, were trying, you can't be near the ball all the time. So, you know, the thing that... The first half statistics really were really interesting because the players who had who were getting most of the ball were obviously defenders. So you know you're getting you know, Jesse Joyce and and, and um, uh, look a few a few of these defenders who, who were hot, getting high possession numbers and the midfielders weren't getting any of the ball. So it was a it was just an un, just an unusual set of circumstances and nobody was using the ball very well at all. But by the end, there were guys who who sort of stood up and and, and um they the, you know half the team didn't show up and half the team did.
1: Yeah. I guess so the, the easiest way to say it. Let, let's jump into the votes then, Tom. Let's get this over and done with. Uh, my first vote, one point goes to the player with the number one pressure acts for the Suns, and that was Darcy McPherson. So yeah. he had thirty-one pressure acts to go along with his two goals, twenty-four disposals. And he was operating at 75% disposal efficiency, so he was using the ball really well in what was wet weather. Mm. My second vote goes to uh, co-captain Jared Witz. He was number one on the field for the Suns for contested possessions with 15. Mm. Had 19 disposals and a goal to go with that. And finally, my three votes goes to the other co-captain, David Swallow. He was number one on the ground for the Suns with metres gained, 509. He had 30 disposals, one goal, 73% disposal efficiency. So our captains really stood up and they they weren't afraid to get in there, get their hands dirty. And the same goes with McPherson. He, we, It's one of the traits we love about McPherson is... He, he's just not afraid to throw his weight around what little he does And, you know, get in there, dive under packs, show the aggression, lay hard tackles And that was something that the Suns have desperately needed And it was evident on the first half of that game against Richmond That they, no one out there was prepared to do it except a handful And that's not enough for a game of football
0: no, it isn't. And, and look, if I had gone first, my three votes would have been exactly the same. I, I'm I'm going to switch out McPherson because there were probably two other blokes who deserve to be in the top five. There, swallow clearly three votes. Actually, you should not really clearly because Witsy was great, um, and and we found out later played played most of the game injured. Um, but he he won't go off. He won't he won't miss a game. Um, you, there's still Elements to Witz's game that you want improvement in, but ten clearances. So he's going in and rucking and winning sixty odd percent of the of the hitouts, and then he's chasing the ball up. You know, thirty percent of the time he's winning his own clearances. I mean, just phenomenal. He's the. I'm 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 prepared to say he's the best ruckman in the competition at the moment on form. Um, you know, with, with, with Max Gorn out injured and Brody Grundy, not not so going go so well. Nick newy obviously, you know, he, he, he would be number one on, on par. But anyway, um, so instead of McPherson, I'm going to give one vote to Sam Day. And the reason is he clunked four contested marks in the wet, kicked a goal, had a goal assist, had nine chop-out hit-outs, uh, he was accurate with the ball. Uh, you know, we weren't going to win the game. It was obvious from very, very early on. But he never stopped trying. And if he, if he's going to give that performance every week, it won't be long until we are winning games.
1: No, no. Uh, Sam Day is starting to prove a very crucial cog in the Gold Coast Suns forward line. And uh, Peter Wright, when he comes back, should make a, a great tandem with him. All right. Now for the.
0: Lockie Weller, what a performance!
1: And this week, we're breaking tradition. We're going away from the water performance of the game. And we're giving it to Tony Cochran.
0: <laughs> now,
1: his comments, uh, that, I mean, the article that came out on afl.com.au the other night I will become a £6,000 gorilla on this. Yeah, that's typical Tony Cochran sort of words here. So he goes on to say, we are past the stage where we say we will give you a couple of players from the VFL or Sandful or Waffle. It has to be something that breaks the cycle. You can't keep tinkering at the edges. You need to give clubs hopes of making finals at least once every seven or eight years. And we need a circuit breaker, a genuine player assistance, or we are not being genuine in what we are doing. So it looks like he goes on to say, Are you serious about real help or not? I will become a 6,000-pound gorilla on this. We are at the pointy end of the argument. We need some proper assistance, and I'm not asking for Tony Cochran or the Suns, but the tens of thousands of juniors playing the game on the coast. We want to keep them playing, want them to be rusted onto AFL via the Gold Coast as we continue to try and develop a footy side in NRL Heartland. Now... That's a very, very strong words from Tony Cochrane, and he's never been one to mix his words, does he? He comes out, says mm. what he feels and everyone else can just get stuffed. So, yeah. obviously... It's, it's,
0: it's awesome. And, and he needed to stand up for the club this week because you can't... You can only do what you can do to get the players to get the results on the field and the club, you know, it's not like the club walks around with their eyes shut and they're up their butts. They they they're, they're doing everything they can. And I mean, Shane, when you go to Metricon Stadium and you see, you just think, gee, look, this is just brilliant, you know. And you see you see everything that they're doing. That they, they, everything's in place. And this is what the southern media and the people down down south just don't know. You know, some of the, some of these commentators have never even been to Metricon, and they don't understand where the club. Is on the verge. It's just that the difference between a, 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 a side that can win games and a side that has, has, you know, just has this problem every year of being competitive early and then injuries and and and, 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 and form and various things lead to these, you know, big big losing margins and, and long losing streaks. It's because the club's just young. Like this is the ninth season. They're the oldest guys who were playing in the very first season at 26. We don't have any 27, 28, 29 year olds. We've got a couple of guys who we, who we brought in, who, who, who are in their thirties, but you know, th- we, we just lack that maturity. And let's face it, a guy who's 27 knows a hell of a lot more about footy than a guy who's 18. And at the moment we can only get 18 year olds.
1: Yeah, it's certainly a big issue. Um, I mean, my preference is that we get some form of AFL assistance and we'll go into that in just a sec. But you're right, it's got to be... Essentially, the Suns have got to take whatever they can get. Mm. Ideally, the ideal scenario is we get a couple of uh, marquee or star players, players that you can build a football club around to come between the ages of 24 and 28 but realistically, they have to agree to want to come up to the Suns. And that's, yep. a, that's a very hard selling point. And then on top of that, you probably, at that age group, you've probably got to try and facilitate a trade with a club. So that makes it near impossible for that to happen. Now, well, the second well, part see. of that... Hang on, Tom. The second part of that is you've got your players in the 28 age group or over. Now, you can probably pick a couple of them up as restricted free, unrestricted free agents. Not having to facilitate a trade, but a lot of them aren't going to be world beaters for what we're after. And the Suns don't have a great history of recruiting those sorts of players with um, Hanley and uh, Malcheschi. These guys we thought would come in, give experience and leadership. Uh, they've just sort of broken down, their bodies haven't been able to live up to carrying a team. Uh, such as the Gold Coast Suns. So it really brings us back down to the 18-year-olds, the kids, because they're the ones Mm. that are forced to come up here through the draft. And then it's really up to the Suns to keep the players with player retention and develop them (coughs) into actual AFL footballers. Now, for the first time in the club's history, we are up in the top bracket of uh, spending... For player development and welfare. Mm. So back in 2011, when or 2010, when the club was starting out, they were down the bottom. You can't get a team full of eight, seventeen, eight year, eighteen year olds, and mm. help them if you're not spending enough money on them to, mm. to develop them and to keep them happy and support them uh, living away from home. From in most cases, the first time.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and and the clubs that started looking after their, their younger players better are, are, are clubs like the Western Bulldogs and and, and Richmond Tigers.
1: But even right? GWS in their first years, they well, they had pretty yeah. much bought a compound, and the players were living in in a, a unit compound together for the yeah, first few years. Uh,
0: it's just it just blows your mind how differently the two clubs were set up, and the AFL is the stakeholder. Like, it's it's almost like they had these two vastly different ideas of how to set up a club. And the conditions... And, you know, Gilliam McLaughlin wasn't in charge of the AFL then, but he did have a lot to do with the Gold Coast, the GC17, as they were known. And, and it's like they're like, OK, let's start this club with... You know, because it's got a stadium with, with these, these lights. <laughs> and let's set this other club in the middle of non-AFL territory... And we're going to have to. What are we going to have to do? And history's told showed us that, you know, the, sun, the sons were set up how they were set up and just told to sink or swim. And GWS was set up with people who demanded to have this extra stuff, and and they got and people like Kevin Sheedy just got what they asked for because they're so well respected. And yeah, God knows what 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 the AFL was thinking in 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 not setting them up or giving. Because you know we, we've talked about it before. The, the GWS got better, they got, they got larger salary caps by the tune of $3 million. If we were given an extra $3 million for the next five years, we could buy Stephen Coniglio and and, and the Giants would get compensated for it, from the AFL, but not from us, because he can walk. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like Insta-confidence the boosters. The jeans come in a temp control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. You know, and one thing I will say is the AFL have come out and they've they've got a, a new list of, of uh, free agents. Have you seen that one? Uh, no. So what they've done is they've reclassified. So let's say we've got a player, um, Michael Ricciatelli, who uh, was at the, at the Lions for long enough to qualify as a free agent and he's now been at the Suns for long enough to qualify as a free agent except he's about to retire. Well, that's an example of how long you have to be at your second club before you enter your second stage of free agency. Which isn't really fair. So what they've done is they've gone and had a look at a whole bunch of contracts of players who are at their second or third clubs, and they've passed well and truly beyond free agency, and they're in that sort of twenty-six to, to, to thirty-year-old group that we're talking about. And and so Sam Day is a, a good example of that one. So so he's he's uh, he's but they've they've classified him now as a restricted free agent. He was unrestricted, so they've made him harder to punch. You know what I mean? And there, there are other guys like, you know, Dark Thomas is, is probably going to retire as well. But he's another example of someone who you couldn't just get him in free agency. You, you had to you had to negotiate with the club and they could say, no, get stuffed. Um, so so there's a lot more players in the pool now. But the talent, this year the talent's not there. There aren't any Tom Lynch's or Stephen Mays in, in the pool, apart from that the very top there, that Stephen Caniglia, who if we could get him with half our problems are solved and we'll probably be making finals within two years. But what's, what, what have we got to delure him? How are we going to get him?
1: Yeah, it's, it's the biggest issue for the Suns. I mean, you've got Wayne Carey coming out last night saying the Suns should be given a priority pick but then they, they should be forced to trade that. Now, that's all well and good. But when other clubs know you're forced to trade a, a pick, suddenly that pick loses value. Now, even if it was pick one, we were given a pick at the start of the draft, but we even before our own pick, and we were told we have to trade that pick. Suddenly, that pick one isn't really worth pick one anymore because the other clubs are going to know that best offer will get it. It doesn't have to be pick 2 it doesn't have to be pick 3 it doesn't have to be pick 4 and most of chances are it's it would be a pick that we'd get back for it that's what happened with yeah. the GWS mini draft they ended yeah. up just trading all these mini draft selections that they were forced to trade for for draft picks and yep. they just loaded up on draft picks and that's because they couldn't convince players to come up to the club so, that I mean, right? the, the Suns don't have a... It, it's all well and good to say that. It's the right idea. But the AFL and the clubs don't have the power to force players to go and play at certain locations.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a real um, American idea, isn't it? Where every teenager who has aspirations to go off to college... Could, could potentially be going to the other side of the world, or, or sorry, the other side of the, the, the country, or or, um, or or the other side of the world, you know. Um, but yeah, Ameri- Americans they, they they're very much happy to do that. So when you look at you know NBA and the NFL, where they get drafted to, where they get drafted to, and they're happy to go there. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's Minnesota honestly, or, it's only a matter or, of t- or Dallas, you it's
1: know, it's honestly only a matter of time before the AFL follows suit. It has to be done for the equality of the competition, not just mm, for the Suns, yeah. but for everyone's sake. Uh, mm. Even if it's restricted up until, like, the first five years or something, they don't have yeah. a say. Or And yeah. then from six years to eight years, they can dictate what state they want to play in. But besides yeah, yeah. that...
0: And you, and you and you've got to expect people to want to go home eventually. I mean... You know, if you've got these young men that maybe they're about to get married or they've, they've got children, of course they want to go and be where their family is. Sometimes the family follows the, the, the kid, and then, you know, you've got a, a, a player like Ben Ainsworth, whose family decided to come and come and live here. Caleb Graham's family moved out from North Queensland. So those guys are, are committed to the club and they're going to be around. But they're, you know, every club's got, you know, Fremantle are, are probably in as. As the Suns, except on field, well, they didn't get very well on the weekend. It arguably, worse than we did. Um, but their 25 years without without winning a grand final is it, it, you know is, is hellish for them, and they keep on losing players back to back to the eastern states every year.
1: Okay, their, totally their
0: talent cool. drain is just terrible. So, yeah, oh, got- Greg, I mean, one solution is to to lift the draft age. Because we're getting all these 18-year-olds, and we, we keep we're getting more 18-year-olds than anyone else.
1: Well, we're, so we're looking at forget. specific things for the Gold Coast Suns in particular. Now, mm. let's get back on track. Old soul in the chat is saying more priority access to state league players. It's going to be more misses than hits, but the mm. successes will be mature-bodied players grateful for opportunities. Re sure. Collins and Holman. So he makes a good point there, and the I think the mature age selections we got last year really made a difference. Although you and I weren't too happy that they were still included under the cap and the the list spots, we were given more rookie yeah. spots, I think. But these players, I'm pretty sure, are on the senior list. Now, the que- right. the query with getting. Uh, Priority access again to state league players this year. We've already had a a section of that pool of eligible players taken from the mid-season draft. So blokes like Dunkley and who we claimed up, Mitch Reardon, um, Mm. the noble fella from SANFL that went to Collingwood. There wasn't too many... Experienced footballers that were taken. I think Carlton picked up one bloke that used to play for Frio Um, That's the only one that springs to mind. I think there was probably another couple there, but it just sort of shows that there isn't that much of a Of a market for them this year if Gold Coast went to that and thought the best player they can get at pick two was Mitch Reardon Mm. A young eighteen-year-old who didn't get drafted last year. Well, that sort of says something about the the quality of senior talent that they could get uh, from from that sort of priority selection.
0: Well, well, what I, I've got two things to say about that. And the First thing is the Suns got three three pre selections, and and it wasn't in any order. Carlton got two, but it wasn't in any order. So basically Carlton went off and, and, and negotiated with players and, and, and so did the Gold Coast. And the players that Carlton went, went and negotiated with, they had to sort of do it in, in a tricky sort of way. They had to go and get the player that they knew had a trading partner. They knew they, they knew they had a trade partner for. So yeah. they traded their, their mature players for extra picks, which you know, the, not too many people were that happy about because the whole reason to give them to them is to give them some extra mature bodies. And the Suns went and got the three players who were willing to come to the to, to, to Gold Coast. Then, in the preseason, Sam Fletcher, and in, in the mid-season, um, Mitch Reardon, who, by the way, Mitch is a fantastic player, and I, I can't wait to see a bit more of Sam Fletcher as well, which takes our, our, our crop of... 18-year-olds that we picked up in, in the draft, from five of them to seven of them now, and seven on a list of 48 is a significant number. So we've got to somehow get some experience into these guys and, you know, that they're probably going to be playing in some, some big hidings between now and the end of the year if they do get blooded. Um, but, but, I mean, I'm, I couldn't be more thrilled by that draft haul because those... Those fringe guys, those those eighteen year olds that we got, they would have gone in this year's draft. The the, the only reasons that they didn't were that they played inside mid, and there's like a hundred inside midfielders who go to the draft hope, as hopefuls, and only about twenty three or you know twenty five of them get 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 selected. So they didn't get picked. They should have got picked because looking at their their, their form, they they're good players. So, are you so, suggesting
1: there are players in the VFL waffle sandful right now that the Suns should be looking to recruit if they had a priority access for next year?
0: Uh, short answer is yes. However, I don't think I, I, I don't think the market's very strong because
1: it's not like we've, last we've year where there it. was a Collins, there was a Corbett and Burgess, yeah. and they were all being talked about from around this point last year as potentially being in the draft as mature age recruits. Yeah, um, I, I just don't think the talent's there this year. Um,
0: yeah, no, we've plundered it. I mean, now, look at Sydney Stack. How? Did, how did everyone? How did eighteen clubs miss out on Sydney Stack at the draft, and then and then how were Richmond of all people able to get him in the preseason?
1: Yeah, look, how it, did that even very, There's always the chance that it could pay off, but I think it's a very slim chance. But the reasons that I think. Their club needs to go hard at the number one priority pick to bring in a teenager. In particular, if we would end up with picks one and two at the draft, we'd be able to claim Matt Rao and Noah Anderson. Mm. Two gun Vic Metro midfielders, both playing a different style. They both have a bit of speed, something that the Gold Coast Suns desperately need, and mm. they're best mates. So pairing those two up together essentially essentially means these two will be lifelong sons or at least eight year players you would think they're yeah. not going to ditch their mate to go back home they should fit in a lot more comfortably but even yeah. then let's go let's go into this i think i actually think we need to look at the Gold Coast Suns right now as the second year of a rebuild so we need to start comparing them back to 2012 because <coughs> looking at the the stats you've got the 2011 season they had a difference of 821 points scored between them um but scored uh this was the percentage uh i'll just go from the percentage it was a 54.36 percent in 2011 and 2012 jumped up to 57.84 percent now in 2018, the Suns dropped back down to a 62%, and 2019, they're, they're currently up to 67.1%. Now, might I say, these figures are all taken from the ladder at this exact point in those years. So, currently, the Suns are on about the same trajectory of improvement from what they were in 2011 to 2012 and from 2018 to 2019. So... In saying that, I think you can look at the Gold Coast Suns as having, they've basically wiped the slate clean with all their off-field administration problems. We now have the right coaches in place. We have the right support staff in place. We have the right facilities in place now. We have the right board level with Mark Evans up there knowing what needs to be done, having run a successful football club in Hawthorne. And Mm. we now also have the right amount of resources being devoted to player welfare and development for the Gold Coast Suns to actually support a young team as we discussed a bit earlier they weren't set up to support a young team with the amount they were spending on so this all leads to signs that now more than ever is the right time for the Gold Coast Suns to load up on on young kids even if it is just the one priority pick we get up we get uh, the first two players in the draft, Raoul and Anderson, uh, chuck in the a player we get from the Brisbane compensation pick. Jack Martin at this stage looks like he's going to go, but either way, his pick or a later pick would be used to claim Connor Bedarek, who looks like an absolute star player for the Suns. And then on top of that, there's a bunch of other uh, academy players that we could be selecting, Fitzroy Greenwall. Uh, Matt Conroy, Dirk Conan. Uh, there's there's more, isn't there, Tom?
0: There are, and, and and the other thing we could do with those guys is is uh, so Conroy and Conan are 19, so um, and they may even attract bids because I I think they're that good and they're going to be playing needful from this week onwards. Um, so the 18 year olds like Ashton Crossley or Josh Gore, they might just get stashed because. This year is a golden year for the academy, and you're quite right. The now or never. You, you've got to you've got to get your your young guys from somewhere. And if you've already half developed this crew, now they, they, these guys who've just come from the Allies, um, you know they, they beat Vic Metro and they, they had a, they had a really good carnival. And and um, they you know they, they these Sons guys were the best players in the Allies team, and there's, there's six of them. And you know, if we pick up three I would not be surprised. Okay. Um, Ace, so just quickly Ace is,
1: Tom, Ace do is you is the think... one
0: who we can just stash on the on the category B. Yeah. And he doesn't cost us anything and he's and he's, and he's guaranteed. So there's two definites.
1: Yeah, just quickly, Tom, we need to wrap this up and get into the needle. We've got about five minutes left. Yeah. Uh yeah. Quick, just quickly, the Lions comparison that's being made to the Gold Coast Suns in their rebuild year is there yeah. an actual comparison there, or should we be looking at a, a rebuild of what Melbourne went through?
0: Yeah, I, I think the I think the Lions comparison is well. well there's two things happening here. The Lions had six players all just say, nah, you've you sacked you've sacked the coach. We don't believe in the club anymore. We want to go home." So they lost just all that investment all at once. The Suns, on the other hand, have been losing players in pairs. And, and so, uh, and, and don't forget, it was Voss was sacked in in 2013 and McKenna was sacked in 2014. So that's where the comparison of maybe the Suns are a year behind in the rebuild. I'm interested to note, Old Soul was saying on the, uh, on the chat uh, that he'd argue that that it's our first year of rebuilding. And what I would like to say to that is that we started to rebuild at the end of 2014 And in the E years, what we were doing was getting rid of players, cycling players out. And and he started, well, maybe it wasn't him, but uh, under him was when our talent drain started and we weren't getting as good of players come in, or if we were, they were 18-year-olds. So really this last year when we just went, got rid of 17 players, re-rookied four of them, and they're on, you know, prove it years, um, this is the first time we've really thoroughly committed to a massive clean-out, and there's probably another one coming. And I think it, that's tough because you, when you get used to players, um, you know, I mean, how would you feel if that if, if the Suns said, "Thanks, Pierce Hanley, but um, check you later"? Michael yeah, it, it's time.
1: always tough, and that's why we don't really like to speculate on players leaving or coming uh, because it it does have a greater impact. Talking with their family members, just the sort of. Essentially, we're talking about whether someone should be sacked or, or hired for a new job. Um, yeah. Let's jump forward now quickly. We're to give us a quick rundown. What are the the latest on the on the injury report?
0: All right. So the the, the injured players, the AFL website is they never. They just never, ever put any effort into the Suns. Uh, So we'll give up on them. I've I've been running my own, and this is from reputable sources. Um, So in order of who's coming back, uh, Sam Fletcher's a test for this week. Josh Schoenfeld's got another week. Ben Ainsworth and Jack Bowes have got two more weeks, so they're looking likely to come back for the Essendon game. Aaron Young... Too early to, to really tell the severity, but uh, it could be a little while. Same with Will Powell, um, which is really bad news for those two because uh, Young might have come into the side this week. Um, Nick Holman, is with his back issues, is indefinite. He could miss the rest of the season or he could be back. Uh, and Braden Cross is on some personal leave. And then today, you've discovered the scoop. Jack Martin appears in hospital with a broken ring finger on his right hand. So you know, like that doesn't look very good. Uh, and of course we've got um, Rory Thompson, Harrison Wig, Calamarchi and Sam Collins who are done for the year. So that's five guys out of forty eight done for the year and we don't know about the rest of them. Uh, but there's four guys coming back soon. So Yeah. Yeah. All it's right. not terrible but,
1: but well, it's Well the depth it's, is it's, there it, at the moment in the Neville side. The Gold Coast Suns yeah. defeated Bredland eighty seven to forty six. Young kicked three goals, 29 disposals, and 10 marks. Nichols had two goals as well. And there were, it was a team performance from the Nifle side, wasn't it, Tom? We've got Dawson, yeah. Riscatelli with 30-plus disposals. Uh, George Holland Smith, Mur- Murdoch as well looked good. Lemons looked good. And uh, Reardon, give us a quick rundown of Reardon before we finish up.
0: Yeah, look, um, obviously with the talent around him, he, they, they're going to they're gonna be there for him. So it's a really good mix at the moment with, with the, the AFL players with that experience, like and Smith and Jordan Murdoch, who've come from the Geelong system. But he's looking as good as them. And it's his second game against men. He's a really classy unit. He hits them hard and they stay hit. He tackles all day. He finds himself in the right place. He keeps a really nice goal, in the time of the game, where we really needed to keep on building the, the thing. feet, you can watch the the, um, the, the the they're not exactly highlights, it's just really all the goals, and it goes for seven minutes. I've shared it on the Facebook page. You can watch it on the NEFL site, um and and you can see what we're talking about. The 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 this the the, 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 NIFL, the Suns NEFL team has, they haven't made it official, but um take uh, I think that's how you say his name, um. He's one of the new assistant coaches, and he's been uh, having a lot more influence on the game plan for the Newcastle side. And the game plan's kind of what the, the senior team's been trying to play. With um, you've noticed a bit more of this switching of the ball, which hasn't happened in the Jew era, um, and and um, and a bit more of um, players leading up to 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 the, to, to market sort of off half back and. And they're trying to put a few things into the game plan that doesn't involve just kicking up the line and being allowing the opposition just to flood that area of the field. Um, so the NEFL team are successfully achieving it, and the AFL team are, are finding it difficult. But it's a good, I think the NEFL side right now is really good at showing the players what they need to be able to do, and then when the opportunity comes. They'll go to the AFL side, knowing what the game plan is, and and being in winning form, which, as we know, it's the only thing we've got to bloody cheer about at the moment. So yeah, uh, backline's going really well. You could see any of those guys. You could see uh, Jack Leslie might get his chance even this week. Um, although Tom Tom Lynch the, of the Adelaide variety is is injured and won't be playing, so um, the the Adelaide may not have the the super tall. Forward line that we're used to, or they may. We don't know what they're going to pick. Um, even Caleb Graham could be could be in line for a for, for a senior call up. Um, you know, it's it's Indigenous Round for NIDOC Week, so you'd be hoping that Sean Lemons would be in the picture uh, because we know that what he brings to the team. But yeah, uh, a lot of good things. A lot of good things happening in the NIFL. They they're finally in the top six. Uh, but the uh, uh, the next six games for the NEFL Sydney Uni this week Sydney Uni are our main opponent for that six spots So beating them will put, put a gap between us
1: yeah. And then
0: we've got to play all the AFL-aligned teams Twice
1: <laughs> Alright, well fantastic Thanks for that NEFL rundown, Tom Well, that's the end of the episode Thanks for tuning in Go Suns!
0: Meyer brand snacks promise the great value you expect with a quality guarantee in every bite. And summertime snacking is our most favorite snacking season of all because Meyer brand makes it deliciously easy from new lemonade flavors to classic ingredients for backyard s'mores to creamy ice cream varieties like new limited edition purple cow by Meyer very berry Americana with ribbons of real strawberry and blueberry swirls, waving in creamy vanilla ice cream. Stop into Meyer and discover big taste and bigger savings on Meyer brand summertime snacks. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough, they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot.